This is Coda Radio, episode 78 for December 2nd, 2013. You're listening to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our three amazing sponsors, GoDaddy, Ting, and DigitalOcean. I'll tell you more about those amazing sponsors as this fantastic show goes on. My name is Chris, but more importantly, joining us every single week is our excellent host on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. I got nothing. How you doing, Chris? I thought you had some about your martini. I was going to do uh, Dominic, Michael Dominic, but it just doesn't come out. My name's too long. Oh, Dominic. Michael Dominic. Michael. Too long. Do you, yeah. If you still had the shaker, you could have like, oh, you know what you should have done? Yeah, shaker, you, not stirred. I should have done yeah, that. Yeah. You could have. You should have because that's a good sound yeah. effect, man. Theater of the mind. I'm always about theater of the mind. And now we know. And I kind of, you know, so yesterday, I was just saying on the pre-show yesterday during last, I was drinking uh, lemon tea and whiskey because you might be able to hear it. I have a little bit of a, a, little bit of a cold. And uh, uh, after talking for an extended period of time, um, I just start to cough uncontrollably. So what I decided to do this week, real real pro level here, uh, I have no beverage. I got nothing. And I'm just going for it. I'm just going to raw dog it. I can mute my mic, though. I guess I, guess I can do that. But between the two of us, because you also have a cold, right? Yes, I have a cold that feels like pneumonia. So yeah. it's great. It's been a great week. It's been a great week. Uh, a great week. I got great. nice and sick. I'm not, I'm not going for pity here, but just to give you a little example. Um Thanksgiving dinner uh, consisted of me eating a leftover cold sandwich from the grocery store and popcorn because I was sick. So I didn't go to Thanksgiving dinner with the family, didn't want to get them sick. And two of my kids were sick. So I kept them home with me. So very low low key Thanksgiving dinner (laughs) here at the Fisher household this year. And then we decided to put up the Christmas tree. Half the lights are out on the thing. Yeah, I was uh, south of the Mason Dixon. (laughs) It's keeping an eye on those reps. You never know. Oh, uh, you know. You know, I got. I got actually, we have actually. I have. A, I have a couple surprises for you this week. Uh, once as we get into the show, you're not. I haven't even told you about them. And because spy. you were dealing with, uh, let's say, tax issues over the weekend, you you haven't seen last. So you haven't seen one of the surprises. No. Um, so can we start with one of them just right out of the gate? Are you ready? Ready Game for hard. surprise number one, Mister Dominic? I want you to break out, bust out the PayPal account as it were, the proverbial PayPal account, and go over to teespring.com slash Jupiter2014 because we have got ourselves a brand new shirt. Uh, we're rolling out a brand new logo over at, uh, at uh, well, come on, why isn't the thing updated? Update thing, update thing. Uh, we're rolling out a new logo, and as part of the new rollout, we got a new shirt. And this shirt is also, it's, it's, a, two, it's a twofer. We're helping fund the Jupiter Broadcasting Network through the end of December because we had a little fallout with our affiliate program uh, over at uh, Amazon. So we're trying to make, make up for, for a ton of lost revenue. This isn't making up for it, but it's going to help close the gap. And uh, it also gets you our new our new logo, which we haven't rolled out anywhere yet. We're doing it here exclusively. The shirt's only going to be available for two weeks. There's one week and six days left, and we're trying to get to a goal of 500 and full 499 shirts sold. We're at 194 right now. Teespring.com slash Jupiter 2014. Go get yourself a Jupiter Broadcasting 2014 shirt. It's a limited edition, and we're trying to close it. One reason why we're only doing a two-week window is we're hoping we can close it and have them ship in time for the holidays for most people. So uh, if you hey, want to grab one for see. a few people, PayPal you can. PayPal password. 
I love Obama one two three four. Obamacare rocks. R O X. Right. Yes. <laughs> Actually, that's R-O-X-X-X. Right, of course, of course. So anyways, it's very cool. What do you think of that new logo? You like that new logo? I'm loving it. I'm actually ordering one as they speak. And it's a long sleeve shirt, so when I walk outside with a jacket, it'll hurt just a little less. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. We're, we'll have that new logo uh, in you know more of our, uh, our production and on the site later on. But we want to... Are you, are you branding, Chris? Is we are. We're, well, you know what it was? Uh, this, is a little, this is a little sad. I hate to start on a downer, but um, see, I'm... I'm uh, I'm getting wise in my old age, and I decided we were we were gearing up. And I, when I say gearing up, like you know, paperwork was getting drawn up, accountants were being talked to, we were interviewing people. Uh, we were getting geared up to open an, uh, a, a studio to move Madness. into a full fledged studio in the beginning of 2014. And the beauty was, of course, an editor would take about every show on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network takes about two to four hours of post-production mm. time of editing and publishing and encoding and all that. And so we were going to hand that workload off to somebody else. So essentially, when I got done with the show, I dropped the mic and I walk away. I'm like, hey, I'm out of here, right? And I so, go so, have a so life. You, you kind of p-diddied the situation. I was going to. But then yeah. when Amazon pulled our funding, uh, basically all of the infrastructure cost is funded by the affiliate systems. And now that's all gone. That way, I think there's an important message about crack cocaine in here somewhere. There's, you know what? There's an important. I should have been listening to you because what have you been preaching all along? Don't trust Amazon. You've been well, or just general like don't outsource your core infrastructure, mm, which such as revenue. This is in this case was revenue, and the idea was is the audience was paying for the infrastructure, so the shows were paid for by the audience, delivered to the audience, right? It was, no, but I'm not sure I understand the situation. If I use the Jupiter Broadcasting affiliate link made by Rekai for my Chrome or Firefox browser. I'm obviously losing my voice. Um, what happens now? Well, if it's for Amazon, nothing. What do you mean, nothing? We get nothing. Like you, you nothing. Nothing. Like, we so the Amazon payment still works. Like so, people who subscribe to us monthly through Amazon payments, all that still works. We're we're, we're trying to work with Amazon to do like a, a Jupiter Broadcasting store of Amazon items, and when you click there, it'll work. And if we put a banner in our show notes, we're trying to work with them to make that work. But like the links on the bottom of our show notes and the stuff built into the extension. None of that works. It turns out, turns out, even though every podcasting network on the planet and a lot of tech blogs, including like Daring Fireball, have support, you know, our site by shopping at Amazon, that's against the terms of service. And that is enough of a, a wiggle spot where Amazon can say, oh, sorry, you're violating that. We're going to discontinue. And so, with prejudice, so- too, I might add, like we've had phone calls with them and it was like, no, we're done. And in fact, we were quoted, uh, the Amazon affiliate system is not a donation drive for you. It is a mutually beneficial marketing arrangement for us interesting statement yeah so i'm going to speak go ahead and just speak for michael dominic here not jupiter broadcasting chris ficker or finger to tech also chris fisher instead of ficker um sounds like amazon are being dicks that is that a fair assessment yeah it's such a shame too because i like you know i like i shop at amazon i use amazon infrastructure stuff So it's interesting though you know one of our other favorite networks uh four by three is losing some of their star talent in quotes temporarily which Obviously isn't. And this network, shall we say, has had some troubles. It seems to me that, and I, Chris, you probably shouldn't say anything about this, that there is a, um, just like in the mobile development space, a thinning of the herd right now in podcasting networks. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe. It seems like the revenue models are getting tighter and tighter. I do agree with that, yeah. And shows are, you know, in particular, in beta is, quote, changing hosts. That show didn't last very long. In fact, I think Coda Radio lasted longer now. Probably. Um, I mean, we haven't even missed a week, dude. We've been going strong. Right. We, we've definitely gone longer. 
yet it had a lot more production money behind it. And I think, I think you would agree to that, Mm -hmm. but they could not keep up the revenue model is what it looks like happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big believer. I'm not not sure. I'm not sure what this means, but uh, I'm a big believer in on the internet um, as, as all of these services consolidate around major companies like Twitter and Facebook and Google and Amazon and Apple and, uh, you know, insert name of large company that has a huge stake of the Internet pie now. The only defense as as independence we have is to diversify in all of these and not be dependent right. on just Amazon, not be right. dependent just so on if Amazon Google. punches you in the dick. You can right. Go to Apple. And thankfully, like, you know, here at Jupiter Broadcasting, we're probably going to make it in part because we have an amazing community like they we've already had we've already had generous donations come in um and you know we're 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 doing pretty good on the shirt sale so far i think we're probably going to make it and all of those things with the donations and uh the shirt sales combined i think we'll be okay and you know what's so here's where so there's two ways to look at it 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 is absolutely um it, it is maybe the biggest setback we've ever had on the network in a sense because we were really on the precipice of just really going to the next level um but at the same time like if I worked at a company at a job, I'd really be out of options at this point. But because it's my company and because I can come up with a solution, I also have infinite possibilities to solve it. And so the way I look at it is, I've got a few ideas to start up a show that uh, you know where they're where, where at launch. There's a there's a different type of revenue model around it. Um, and so one of the things I've been doing, I've been experimenting with, is certain shows have different revenue models. Uh, so Cybite was funded entirely by affiliate revenue, which is going to be a big challenge there now um unfilter uses the supporters model which is truly the way i'm the i believe is the best model because by 300 people funding the unfilter show it covers the cost for thousands of people to watch it so that's truly the best model um but i'm you know we're not there yet we haven't we haven't reached our goal there yet but i'm experimenting with that then in the other shows that have a larger footprint on the web on the web we do traditional advertising and so we've kind of diversified in the shows themselves. So it's not any, it's not particularly devastating, but it's definitely challenging. Okay, but let me ask you this. I mean, this you sound like you're avoiding my hobby horse here. You know, I constantly go on when people complain that their apps or favorite web apps have been pulled or killed or whatever um, that they didn't pay for. And I am not suggesting Code Radio or Jupiter Broadcasting is going to be a paid service. That would be for Chris to decide. But it seems like if this kind of thing keeps happening. Doesn't it make more sense for the consumers of these services, these products, to just pay for them? I I, I really believe so because the other thing it does is it it changes it changes so many things. Like from the host it changes perspective, the dynamic. Yeah, it does. From like our perspective, you know, we don't we don't we don't have we don't have to like worry about a lot of things. Like we know that you know because a sponsor could always say, okay, well, thank you so much for all your hard work, but we're all done now, right? Right. Where you you could have three or four people, you could even piss off maybe a hundred people, and they'd all cancel their subscriptions. But it probably wouldn't ruin you. It wouldn't it wouldn't uh, sink the ship? But with a sponsorship, you know, you could have, especially at this point, because now we've lost that Amazon affiliate. If we had a sponsor walk, we'd be pretty hurt. And we're lucky because we've been around so long. We're in a special position where there's just amazing people in our community who'll be like, "Oh shit, you're short a thousand dollars. All right, well you know what? I'll cut you a check." Like I actually think that would happen in our community. So I, at the end of the day, but you know, that's not, you can't rely on that. You can't, you can't depend rely. on you that. You can't run a business on And that. it'll only, yeah. it'll only happen once or twice. And then, you know, you're SOL. So you can't, you can't, you can't yeah. bet on that. But my point going, my point is, is you're right. There is a shrinking in the market of how you can get funding. Um, there's also, um, you know, a monopolization. There's just certain net podcasting networks that just that, sort of keep expanding. 
that there's big networks that are eating the little ones or, yeah, you know, I, I see a lot of host poaching, you know, I see a lot of hosts being contacted, things like that. Yeah. And it's funny too, because it's, it's interesting. Yeah. There's a parallel in the software industry where a lot of times their product is inferior. Right. Or it doesn't solve the niche that there's like, it, it's good enough, but the niche that they're trying to go after is really better served by a smaller network because they're more enthusiastic and passionate about the topic. Well, like that competition's good. I mean, yeah. no matter what competition's yeah. good. So it, it is kind of, it is kind yeah. of, it is very challenging. I prefer to look at it as more like, at least I'm in the position to make my own opportunity out of it. Mm. Whereas if I was working for somebody else, I'd just be like, okay, well, whatever you want to do, boss, I guess just let me know how it works out. Right. Coder uh, Radio, nine ninety nine a month. Yeah. I'd do it. They know I'd do it. Yeah, I wonder. You really got to offer, you know, something that... The problem is, and this is way off topic, but the problem is is that there's so, there's so much big media out there that has warped people's perspective of the value of content. Well, it's the same with software, right? Software apparently costs nothing to make these days. Or support or improve upon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's literally the same argument that I've been making for, oh my God, over, well, on here over a year now. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I've been a, a very avid podcast listener from, I think, the beginning of podcasting when Adam Carolla got on this little hobby horse and made it a, a thing, right? Um, I remember the old syncing with the crappy iPods. Oh, geez. Where, yeah. 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 And I've I've been very disappointed where I've seen many, many shows that I've liked on, on many different networks uh, just be killed or subsumed into larger networks where they were changed or, you know, had to change format or, or whatever. Right. Well, and it's also, you know, like software development, it's a lot harder than you think <coughs> and how it seems on the outside. Like people people think it, it you know, probably looks a lot easier than it actually is. Yeah, I mean, I think people think this morning that I didn't read any email, got up got bitch slapped by the federal government, made a martini and just sat down here. I mean, if that's what people think, then maybe that's what happened. But. <laughs> oh man. Um, it's a not safe for work episode. No, it's okay. It's the holidays. So that's appropriate. Um, so we've got a lot of uh, good feedback this week. We, the, I want to start with one from PT Dave. He's in the chat room right now. And, uh, we talked about burnout, and you also talked about pulling pulling your app from the App Store. Mm-hmm. Uh, so b- both of those resonated quite a bit with him. Um, but before we go, why don't we uh, celebrate the fact that we are making some money from uh, our sponsors and thank them? Because thanks to them, we and, of course, our audience, we are uh, here today to do another Coda Radio. So let's start with, before we get to PT Dave, let's thank GoDaddy. Now, GoDaddy has got something new. And if you've been... If you've been waiting to set up a site because either you don't have all the CSS foo skills like myself or you're a very busy person, or if you've got somebody who's been asking you to help them create a site, but you don't really have the time to help them, thinking of you, hairdresser, thinking of you, uncle with the real estate business, uh, then I want you to check out what GoDaddy has now. Their website builder makes it easy to create your own website, put your business online and find new customers. You can choose from hundreds of customizable designs and you are on your way. Website Builder even includes a free domain hosting and 24-7 support for a dollar per month for 12 months. It is go time. Visit GoDaddy.com and enter promo code WSB8. Website Builder 8. When you check out WSB8 to get Website Builder for only a dollar per month, there are some limitations. So go check out the GoDaddy website 
If you use the link in our promo code, or in our show notes, it, it, uh, it embeds the promo code in the URL for you. So it gets you that dollar domain. And it also, they'll put a little uh, orange banner along the top of the page with the limitations right there. If you have any questions about that, you can read that. This is a really cool deal because they've they've produced this new tool that sits right on top of the existing excellent GoDaddy hosting. And they've integrated in the ability for their team to continue to update SEO optimizations and improve on the mobile version. So the site allows you to spin off a mobile version and then you know, as iOS 8 and Android 5 come out and they've got crazy great new browsers, you don't have to worry about any new kind of magic to update your site to make it look right. The GoDaddy website builder will automatically be updated to spin off a correct version for those web browsers. This is so nice. You don't want to have to worry about this kind of stuff. You need to get out there. You need to own your name. You need to own your open source project, your app, anything you're working on. You need to get out there and own that search because otherwise it's going to go to Facebook. It's going to go to G plus Twitter or anything that anybody's talking about, about you. And instead of you owning the conversation, you'll be a victim to the conversation, but you can avoid all of that and get started with just a dollar a month when you use our promo code WSB eight, when you check out over at GoDaddy.com. And thank you to GoDaddy for sponsoring the Coda radio program. <clears throat> I don't sound sick, right? I sound good, right? I don't, I don't sound sick. <laughs> oh god okay anyways well uh why don't we start with uh, pt dave he said uh, hey mike and chris i often find myself getting burned out as well but it usually happens uh because after working at school a school district all day on computer repairs i come home to program for another three to four hours on top of that the needs of attention from the wife all tend to wear on me as i just can't seem to find time where i'm not getting interrupted i want to start right there mm. I love my wife and kids, but this is a huge problem for me. I, I timed it yesterday while I was working on LAS, and just for a brief period of time. It wasn't like this the entire time, but uh, there was not a I, there was not a length of time longer than two minutes that I went without an interruption, and that always ends up leading to errors. I mess something up when I'm continually interrupted because I'll pick something up and then I'll try to sit back and resume where I was at, and I'll miss a step or something like that. This is probably the one of the biggest problems I face. Um, and it's also really challenging because it's a mix of obligation. Like sometimes I, you know, I elect to get interrupted. Like I hear something going on and I decide I'm going to be interrupted, although just hearing it kind of is an interruption. Uh, and sometimes it's un- unelected. Like, you know, I'm sitting here in a room recording a show and my door opens up and something's going on. Um, and I-, I know I've tried to talk about this with you before, but I felt like I felt like when we've talked about this in the past, you, you you haven't connected with me on it. Like it hasn't really been a problem for you that you've dealt with before. And I'm wondering how you accomplish that because you work around people, right? You work at home. There's, is there, there's another person in the house. What, how do you, have you solve this? Well, well, I ended up solving it by getting an office, right? That, so that's what I did. That's what we were thinking with the new studio, because yeah. it's, to me, it seems unfair to have an expectation on the other people in the household who are not doing what I'm doing to have right. a full context of you know what my needs are, it's just not reasonable. There's other there's other activity going on in the house. I mean, there was a time when um, when my fiance was not working nine to five, uh, working so you get the house to yourself hours. during the day. Right, right now she works. She's she oh gosh, careers, so that's 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 yeah. heaven. So it, it matters less, but at the time, you know. Sure, you could theoretically explain everything to your significant other that's going on with the business and, um, you know, get him or her to accommodate you. But the time it takes to do that is is just not good, right? Um, and it's, it changes, too, depending on the task of the day. 
Right, and your day could change tone literally with one letter or one phone call. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's one of the aspects of running a business from your house is that you're kind of responsible for everything from bookkeeping to you know large strategy decisions, and everything changes. I mean, I found that you know one phone call, one email, one letter could change the tone of the day or a week. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah. Especially almost, letters from almost, the IRS. <laughs> oh, yes. Ah! Oh! Yeah. All right. Well, he goes on to say, uh, on the on the topic of pulling apps, because of the lack of time, he says, I've been finding myself needing to pull an Android app, the SQLite installer for Root, as the past two Android OS updates have broken it, and I haven't had time to get to it, which is rough because it does generate a bit of revenue, but a very tiny amount. Also, by job title... I'm a contracted IT who has never myself been on a contract. My employer recently wanted to put me on a contract with no complete cause, clauses, with a no compete clause. Uh, however, there is a chance the school district I am at would want me to hire direct, want to hire me directly to ensure that the opportunity was still available with a new contract, which would grant me okay, which would grant me a good pay increase. But since I made the request, my employer has not been able to rewrite the contract, and even though he said he would, my request has been. So far, ignored. Ultimately, my passion would not have been to fix another computer again and just to program. And see, this is what he's saying. He's going back to what we were talking about where he says, when you end up working on something, it kind of wears you down that you don't really have a true interest in. Yeah. And remember, we were touching on that guy that wrote in. He's like, gosh, I'm in college and I'm burning out. Yeah, I mean, I, we may have actually gotten this letter before. And Dave, something very similar PT to Dave it. says, by the way, Coda Radio is the reason why he became a monthly donator to the Jupiter Aww. Broadcasting Network. Aw. I mean, the, the non-compete clause, so, I mean, I can't give you legal advice, but I can tell you what I do. I, I simply walk away. Um, that's a firm. Wow, you know, that's interesting because non- in IT contracting, I've, yeah. I, it's so common to have a non-compete clause. Like, if I like say if another company brings me in to subcontract to me, I've never really been in a position where they So it depends on the type of non-compete clause you're talking about. I take non-compete to mean you cannot do a project similar to this project, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, usually mine Remember? are like, you can't work in this area. Okay, so it's a little. It's probably different then. Um, I mean, I have no poaching agreements with other dev, um, larger dev companies who subcontract their work to me. Right. Uh, but no, no, like, you know, let me give you an example. I, I've worked on a lot of like social apps geared towards women. Right. None of those contracts say that I can't do other projects that are very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because part of the the idea of having a portfolio is you're going to get work that's similar to work you've done uh, because a lot of biz types are pretty, you know, even if it uses the same technology, they can't see that it's the same unless it's literally very, very similar in the same space. Now I can imagine. So someone's saying in the chat that dev non-competes are common for salary devs. That's probably true, but that's, is it the type of non-compete where you can't work in the same space or is it that you can't simply poach your employer's clients, right? I bet it because he's more IT. I bet just I bet it's like you can't work in this. I don't know. It's hard to say because uh, there's a big difference between non-compete, where you know if you work for me, you can't push my clients. That's standard, right? Um, you can't initiate an action to to steal someone's client. It, but to say like if you work in New Jersey for for say me that you couldn't work in New Jersey ever seems it seems stupid. I mean, I, I guess if you sign a really dumb contract, that's your problem. But, I mean, I don't know, Chris, in IT, is it really regional? Is it really like New York State, Washington State? 
for me, it's more city specific. Like, uh, so we have a city that's a couple of miles from my house called Everett. And uh, when I was working there, they're like, all right, well, uh, we'll bring you in here and we're going to give you these three clients, but uh, we're going to need you to sign a non-compete that says you won't, um, you won't take any other clients in Everett for two years because we want to continue to expand in Everett. Now, the flip side of that is generally because I'm in that area, I'm the one that then gets those clients. As, as but, but your clients are IT contracting companies, it sounds like. Right. Or like, um, right. It, or another example would be, okay, here as part of your employment contract with us, we're going to send you here to work as a contractor for these people, and you can't quit us and then just take them on as a client immediately. So that's part of it, too. Is a, so that, that's more normal that I would see and probably agree to for some length of time, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've seen the, you know, we are a, I'm just going to make something up here. Um, you know, we are a trivia company or something, right? We're a game company. You cannot do any other game work kind of things. Sure, sure. And I've just been like, no. I mean, the, that's that's a definite personal decision. Um, one of my things is my rates are very low for my area. Uh, and I'm, reason for that is not that I like to be cheap, it's that I like to have enough volume where I can pick and choose what I'm doing. Do you, do you ever do any kind of non-competes with any of the guys you work with? In terms of clients? Mm-hmm. Or, or like, uh, you know, if you guys are working on a project or anything like that, or is it kind of like... We, do so, um, we, we don't call them non-competes. We do no, no poaching agreements, right? So if you're, a if you're working with me or if I'm working with you as a subcontractor... So let's say if like Fisher Inc. subcontract with Fingertip Tech Inc. Sure. I'd be willing to discuss a no poach where I can't steal your clients, right? Okay, okay. Because I wouldn't do it anyway. I mean, a lot of this has to be, you know, basically the ones I'm okay with are the don't be a jerk agreements, right? Yeah. Right. I, I uh, kind of agree. That's usually why, it's usually why I've, I've always kind yeah. of agreed to them because it's like, well, I'm not going to do it anyway, so. <laughs> well, yeah, one of, one of the other sides of this, though, is usually in the subcontracting deals, the the first contractor, so the guy who holds the real contract, will try to misrepresent you as an employee of their company. Yeah, right, yep. Which I usually don't tolerate. Which feels a little dirty. Yeah, so I, I've had people give me email addresses at their domain, which I just flatly don't use. Um, yep, yep, totally. I don't even set up, never logged in. My solution for that is always, listen man, he's your client, you don't trust me, I get that. I don't want to talk to your client. I talk to my clients, right? And that's usually a easier way to deal with that situation. Mm -hmm. uh, to be fair, though, you know, I don't really do business often with the likes of Robert Haft or Tech Mahindra, big companies who would want you to talk to their client and business, right? Mm -hmm. It's up to you. I mean, I then again, I have friends who will totally do the. I'm going to pretend to be this guy's employee for a month. Like, I just won't. That's that's a personal decision. I mean, I've done it. I felt weird about it. Um, well, I feel I have a moral issue with it. I was young. Else. I needed the money. Well, for me, it's a misrepresentation, right? Yep. And in my area in particular, there are a lot of companies that are sub simply subcontracting companies. Mm -hmm. um, and they're great, and I'm friendly with people who run them. And to be honest, it's nice to have them around <laughs> while Chris dies. Yeah, no, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's nice to have them around because they do a lot of legwork, but I, I'm never comfortable in situations where you're actually lying to the client, right? Yeah. Even if they're not my client per se, I I, I never like that. Um, and I could say that I haven't been in that situation 
in years, to be honest with you. I, I, I went for that once and never again. Because it's just so dirty. Oh, don't worry about it. I mean, you know, that was exactly how I took it, too, is I, uh, uh, I, I used to like, you know what, did it once, not going to do it again. Uh, but it's not even like I'm trying to protect Fingertips brand or anything. It's just that, you know, I'm, I'm cool with silent subcontracting, right? Like, I will take a project, which happens a lot, and never be able to put it on my portfolio, which happens all the time with larger projects, right? I'm not necessarily cool with the the whole aspect of deception, right? Like, I feel like a client should know that you're contracting to different companies. Yeah, they should know because yeah, that's what they're paying. I mean, they're they're paying that company, right. and yeah. I mean, it, it, to, now to be fair, if you have 1099 staff and you call them employees, I don't think that's terrible, right? Like, that's okay. Uh, but if you're like contracting to certainly like overseas, I, I feel like you should notify the client. Are uh, you ready for uh, our next email here? Do it. Comes in from Raleigh. He says uh, he wants to pick our uh, brains and get us all fired up about IDEs. He says, I'm a junior web developer who recently graduated with a degree in computer science and internet software development. I was planning to do a bit of freelance work until I get a full-time job, which you heard these days is pretty hard. My whole degree forces you to use a simple text editor such as Notepad++ or Vim. I need to do a lot of self-learning and development. <laughs> Good. Carry <laughs> on. I need to do a lot of self-learning and development and looking for a good IDE to settle on. Now, there, my friend, is the key question. Uh, at this stage, I'm looking for NetBeans or Eclipse. He's looking at both of those. And I think a discussion on web IDEs would be the awesome. He says, by the way, fan of Last, Unplugged, and Coda Radio. So keep up the good work. Um, you know, I feel like this is some. This is definitely some uh, battle territory here. But I, 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 yeah, the let, perfect let IDE play. for web development. Hang on, let me get my flame retarded pants real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah, I got uh, I got my flame retarded hat. Do you think that's enough? Do you think I... Uh, I, I'm not sure. So I don't like Eclipse, and I think I've been really, really vocal about that in the past. <laughs> um, get the hell out of here! <laughs> yeah, we're not going to go into that again. NetBeans used to be okay, although I haven't used it in years, so I really can't speak to NetBeans. Uh, I use IntelliJ for Java. And it sounds like you're doing Java because you named, you know, two Java IDs. Uh, go look at IntelliJ. I think it's wasted effort. All right. I w- so there's a free community edition that's open source. I, I would say, I mean, I guess maybe I'm just an idiot. I mean, all that to me, all that, all, to do, to, an IDE for web development just feels like a bunch of crap that would get in my way. Well, wait, he, he named two Java IDEs and talked about web development. Yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming he's doing like Java Play or Scala. Mm, yeah, okay, okay, something like that. All right, okay, okay. I mean, if you're doing like JavaScript and front end web development, Sublime Text or Vim, then you're done. I get down with that. I, now, now, now you're talking. My, now you're yeah. talking my language. That's I, what, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do a full ID for front end web, but I, I'm thinking he's doing like set server back end development on the web, right? Java. I play. guess so. That would make. Would, he, he should clarify in his email. I would. I would email again because you might get yelled at for using Eclipse for JavaScript. You just might. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, not that we're going to, I mean, we won't be judgy, but people might. All right, well, let's uh, let's pause right here and thank our next sponsor this week. And that, my friends, is Ting.com. Ting is mobile that makes sense and you can get started by going to CoderRadio.Ting.com. That's the magical URL, CoderRadio.Ting.com, where you'll take $25 off your first device. If you've already got a Sprint-compatible device, they'll take $25 off your first month of service. Average Ting Bell ranges between $21 and $33 per month. So 
if you get that deal, you might just have your first month paid for. Guess what, Mr. Dominic? Special surprise for you. I got my Nexus 5. Oh, no. Yep, I got the Nexus 5 right here. Um, so my, my flash review is if you have the HTC One, you definitely don't need to upgrade. Uh, if you don't have either one, I would go Nexus 5 at this point. What? Um, yeah. All right, fin- finish Ting, and, and then I'm going to yell at you. All right, well, so Ting is uh, my mobile service provider since about the beginning of the year. What's awesome about Ting is you only pay for what you use. So they take your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes, and they add it all up, and whatever bucket you fall into, quote-unquote, that's what you get billed. So they have a flat $6 per month for the line. And if you don't use the phone, you pay $6. If you use the phone a bunch, you just pay for what you use in whichever category you use it. This is so great, like as... Uh, maybe a, as a client contract ramps up and then ramps down or as the holidays come and go. The other great thing about Ting, and this is something I think you developers need to consider, as there's nothing like testing out in the field. And now, you know, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking here at the HTC One. I've got the Evo 4G and I've got the Nexus 5. All of them run different versions of Android. All of them have different screen resolutions. All of them behave differently on the on the mobile network. They have different capacities. They have different memory processors. And this can be a monster if you need to test across a range of devices like this on a traditional cell carrier. I mean, the amount of contracts you end up getting into with their early terminations and paying into for minutes you might not use and messages and megabytes you might not need, it, on the face of it to me, looks absolutely ridiculous. And Ting solves all of this. You can have as many lines as you want on a single account, all shared from a pooled minute, $6 per line. And if you're working with a team of people, like Mr. Dominic over there on that fancy fingertip tech, if he's got Zane in there and he needs to have Zane work on a mobile device to test something out, Ting has an incredible dashboard. The Ting online account dashboard and their Android app are so awesome. Like, for example, uh, I ordered a SIM card for the Nexus 5 from Ting, which I recommend if you, if you go order your Nexus 5 from the Play Store, then go order your SIM from Ting because it needs a SIM card. They will they integrate a push notification if you want it with their Android app. So I get notifications. Hey, we've registered. You know, we've noticed that you've ordered a, a SIM card. Hey, your SIM card is shipped like the Ting app is awesome. It lets you keep track of where your device is at. You can set alerts. You can manage your other devices combined with their dashboard. And the dashboard lets you transfer service, lets you see where things are at, lets you give nicknames, let you say, if somebody calls and I don't answer, send it to this phone number. All of the stuff that you dread having to call the cell carrier about, all of the stuff that you know you're going to have to jump through five different phone trees and then explain to somebody what it is you even want and it's going to be a big waste of your time when you'd want to just get back to work. Ting's dashboard handles all of that. But if you ever get in a position where like, oh man, I, I got to call Ting. I got to ask them a question. Don't worry about it. Ting has awesome customer service. You can call them anytime, 1-855-846-4389. That's Ting FTW. And a real person will answer the phone and solve your problems. Think about that. If you got a team, if you got family members on Ting, you don't have to be their personal support person. They have an Android enthusiast sitting in a call center waiting for your call. So give them a call. Ask them some questions. And if you're still on the fence about Ting, go over to coderadio.ting.com and smack that how much would you save button and go try out their savings calculator. I think you'll be really impressed there. And oh, one last little bit. If you're going to get can- if you're going to get dinged on your uh, current contract because you're in a contract, you know Ting doesn't have contracts. That's cute that you have a contract. Why don't you get out of that? Ting's going to help you. They have an early termination relief program. You get your Ting device, you port your number, you submit your ETF claim to Ting from your previous carrier. And Ting's going to be able to give you up to $75 per line 
that you have to get canceled. They're going to help you get out of your contract and get into a no contract, no early termination, pay for what you use service, powered by a company that is truly one of the greats. These guys are two cows. They've been around for a long time. They've been shaking stuff up. I really like Ting. Been using it since the beginning of the year, and I'm happier than I've ever been. And some of the things that keep me around are that excellent customer service, the great devices, the interaction with the community, the transparency, the dashboard, and of course, that pricing. So go over to coderadio.ting.com and thanks to Ting for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. All right. So uh, next is Five Talk. Wait, you got something? You got what you got? What you got? I, I like it. I like the Nexus Five. I just I feel like Willis? I feel like I I can sense that this is a compromises device, and I feel like the HTC One is a no compromises device. And also, um, and this is not really a big deal. So then why did you tell people that the wait? Maybe I misunderstood that the Nexus Five is the one to get because it is definitely faster. Um, I what? Actually, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know if it's four four or what it is. But I'd say we're now oh. we're near iOS butterness. So I, so I got four four on my Moto X mm-hmm. and I freaking hate it. Really? It took away my little turn off auto rotation thing in the settings. Oh uh, well, they and always mess has, with that. Yeah, that has made using my phone really hard. I bet, I bet you could get an app that would sit in the notification tray and let you tap it or something. Yeah, but I don't want to run an app. I know, that, right? I know. So what I like about four four is um, like what one of my tests has been on Android devices is. You could take Google Now even, and you open up Google Now on an Android device, and you open up Google Now on an iOS device, and just use them both at the same time, and you will immediately see how much better the iOS version is in terms of just smoothness. Now, in in four four, I feel like that that distinction is almost completely gone, and and it it really uh, first of all, um, I I have only charged this phone once too since I got it, and I, and I haven't made a lot of calls, but I feel like the battery life is a lot better too, and I and I think that might be 4.4 it could be the new processor too probably a combo um plus it's just a newer device it's a little thinner and it's lighter that would be my other complaint about the htc one is it has that bowed back to it so it it definitely is a log in your pocket whereas the nexus 5 feels a little smoother thinner and the camera's a little better i think all those things combined mr dominic uh Mm. but you definitely would not be disappointed with the htc one still i think it's still one of the best phones on the market. I just, I like the smaller profile. I feel like for some reason the Nexus 5 screen is a little easier to read too. I don't know if it's maybe lower res or what it is, but I actually feel like it's easier to read too. All right, so Nexus 5 Moto X. Well, I haven't tried the Moto X. I haven't tried the Moto X. But what's interesting is, okay, Google. It has okay, Google now whenever I'm on the home screen. Thank God I have my headphones on. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, they, so they kind of put a little Moto X like feature on there. It doesn't do it, like if I say... Okay, Google. Yeah, it's not always listening. It's only when the home screen's on. Well, that's kind of neat, right? Don't you think it's that's the new Google launcher? You know, they they replaced the internet. Yeah, the- so I, I got something weird when I got upgraded four four. Like it's like, oh, we don't do stuff on the lock screen now. Right. Thanks, well, but- that you can go into the settings and turn that on. But yeah, well, it turns out widgets on the lock screen are a security hazard. Who knew? Well, I knew, but I didn't care. Well, there is. If you go into security, you can re-enable them. But I mean, I just think well, it's funny. So, so to be fair, on my Android, which is my personal phone, the only thing I use is Pocket Cast. So, well, I, I just want to pause my show. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I like how iOS handles that. Um, the show. All right. Well, uh, we got we got a few more. Boy, you got a lot. This might be an email only show, dude. We still That'd got be a long show. We got a lot of I emails have, to get to. I have a lot more martini in the shaker. All right. So. Okay. So uh, Dirk uh, writes. Uh, excuse me, as I die a little bit. Dirk writes in. Uh, he says, uh, this, is, this is pertaining to software and code quality driven down by the man. 
This is Chris and Michael. I think most developers come to the realization sooner or later that they're the business drivers of software development, which keeps all of us devs living large, not really. Basically, there is a need and we are the way. He says, I have noticed that the quality of code that is produced is irrelevant to the customer. Whether or not it works is good enough is the question. I no longer get upset with the customer for this because the customer has mounting pressure from executives to produce. They get pressure on the devs to cut and to put out working solutions. Sometimes this means that they change requirements to fit code that is available and other half-assed measures to get something out into production. My question is this. Why? Why is it so hard for CEOs and stakeholders stakeholders to grok the quality of code is usually irreversibly proportional to the speed at which it is produced and therefore can cost more in the long term? That the initial investment of time toward the scalability and modeling can pre- prevent a lot of, if not most of, the problems associated with developing enterprise software. Thanks. And remember, the force will always be with you. Always. So what, he's, what he's saying here is, He's like, how come after all these years? Because let's let's get real here for a second. Freaking, freaking software development has been around for a little while now. You know, like we've been doing this for 20, 30, wait, I mean, since the 60s, really? Let's get honest here. So why the hell by now haven't CEOs and stakeholders figured out the hell that if you allow a little more time up front to account for scalability, that it can pay off massive dividends down the road? What is the excuse at this point? Simple solution. It is unlikely that scalability is going to matter, and it is always cheaper to do nothing than something. It is unlikely because it won't be successful? Exactly. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's just reality of most software projects, right? So, uh, kind of what you're... So, you can- so I, I just like that one point. When you are building a website that is compulsory for several million people to use, I'm sorry, several tens of millions of people to use, then you should worry about scalability. And the value of this is negative. I think it's wasted effort. I-, I thought for sure Barack would say something on that. Oh. Hello, everybody. He's a jackass. Uh, I'm the jackass. Mm. So I, this is, this is, I think he touched on a nerve for here with me. Um, Uh-oh. I, I kind of feel like I just, I wish. Hang on, Chris. Hang on. Okay, there go. you go. There you go. I wish I could like be, uh, have you ever watched, um, uh, uh, curb your enthusiasm, where Larry just says like what you always have wanted to say. Have you ever seen this show? No, okay, you haven't seen it. It's fine. no, I haven't. I'm sorry. So there's this guy. There's this main character in the show, and the greatest thing about it is he gets in these awkward social situations, and he just says whatever the hell is on his mind. And the thing that like that little person inside you has always wanted to say. And I want to be that guy. I want to go into these businesses and say, what the hell is your problem? Like, don't you want to save money? Don't you want to look good? Don't you want your product to work? Like, what the hell is your problem? And it never happens. It never works. It never works out that way almost ever until somebody's been burned a few times. And I think this is just a fundamental failing of our dumb monkey race, as I think we're too stupid to take the collective knowledge of the rest of humanity and apply that as a life lesson to our own situations. We're too dumb. Our monkey brains can't figure it out. I really think it is because I have struggled with this my whole career where it's like we have been down. See, here's the thing. As a contractor, you go down the same path over and over again. You see the same mistakes be made by the same company, by different companies. No one calls a contractor until things have worked. We discussed this in like episode three. No one calls either me or you until something's gone to shit. And then even still, like why are you paying me X amount an hour if you're not say, listening to what I'm saying. It drives me crazy. Because 
the nine out of ten times they've launched a product, it hasn't been successful. Yeah. So they don't they run it on like a simple VPS. You know I what's mean, the worst is when or when they got a guy. They got a guy who says, Oh, it's not gonna be a problem. We got a guy, uh he says it's gonna be fine. We trust him. He's it's all good. So I, I to be fair, the guy's probably like this dude has launched ten projects in ten years and they've all failed, so well, you know. I, I wish I could say to Dirk, I wish I could say, go work somewhere else. You know what? If that company doesn't get it, man, don't waste your time with them. Go somewhere else. But like he says earlier in his email, like, hey, that's mad. That dev's getting paid, man. Dev's getting paid. This is the well, kind of crap that leads to burnout. This yeah, is exactly but this it. Is also, I mean, if you if you had to scale everything for like Obamacare. Well, uh, I mean, it's not always scale. appropriate. It's not always appropriate. Of course. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's almost never appropriate to worry about that kind of scale. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Unless you know that you have a built-in audience, but then you know roughly how many users you're going to get. Let's think about, well, let's, there's building to scale as like in users, and there's building to scale like this This web app is designed to have multiple back-end SQL databases if we ever need it, or have okay, multiple so front-end web servers. So that's, yeah, that's dev architecture. That's right. different. Right. But that that's often something they're not willing to invest time in either. Of course not. Well, why would you? Well, it... All right. You, if, you, I mean, why are you doing something if you don't expect it to work? That just seems okay. You're you're that you're seems a business over here, right? Yeah. Okay. You're, you're middle management. Okay. Someone's you know general business. We'll use military references. All right. Has told you, listen, bro, because obviously you're all bros. Bra. Bra. Okay. Dog the bounty hunter has come to you, Chris. Gives you a hundred thousand dollars to make a project work in six months, right? <laughs> and he says, bra, we're gonna have like ten users. Don't worry about it, bra. Dog tracker. It's dog tracker. It's all good in the hood. Uh, as my microphone falls down. You don't have time. Let's let's say the only devs he can he can give you only know how to do Java applets. This is all you can get. You don't have time to retrain these guys or the resources to train them on something good. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. This is the, the enterprise developer quandary. It simply is not in the interests of the enterprise to pay these developers to be retrained. This is why, and for some enterprises, just having an on on staff crew that you know they stay current in the technology, they 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 maintain the existing infrastructure, and they are your built-in expertise. Okay, okay but this is the lean startup wet dream here, right? Right. Uh, your guys are going to go home and study tech, and they're going right. to better themselves on their time. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, this is bullshit. Yeah. If you're hiring W two employees, you're agreeing to pay them less and have them stagnate, in the interest of obviously there are some benefits to the employer of W two employees in Come terms of you. right loyalty. Wow. I'm so sorry, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's necessary. I think that still depends on the employee. It might be. I ha- but those employees, the exceptional ones, the ones who care, they'll go get a different I, gig eventually, or they burn out. Yeah, because it's because it's this kind of it's this kind of crap. You can hear how, you can hear the burnout in my anger. It's like, yeah, I've been in that position, and it does burn me out so bad. It's like I've been in meetings like when I was very new. Hey, I solved the sync bug. It's awesome. I fixed all the stuff. That's great, Mike. Uh, but you're still using the wrong shade of blue. So uh, we're going to talk about that for 45 minutes. Yeah, oh, the minutia stuff that people who are maybe not overly technical can get bogged down in because that right. is what they understand is painful. It is irrelevant and it is such a waste of time. I mean, the, the tech economy already has a way to solve this problem and it's called consulting, right? Right. You you get burned out on corporate life. You you, you get tired of being, you know, I don't, I don't want to hit this too hard, but a kind of forced stagnation by processes, right? And you go... Become, start your own consulting company or become a consultant. 
mean, that's, that's what it is. Uh, to me, the biggest threat to developers is this lean startup method where you're doing that kind of thing, that kind of dedication, but you're building some random startup for some random investor. But hey. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It. I, I've been on this from the sysadmin side where uh, I've come to, uh, you know, the employer generally. It's, it, a lot of times it's more of an employee situation. It's less happens in the contract world because they are hiring me for my expertise and they generally do need a, a solution. But in the, well, the employment thing, world, like I have been in positions where like I, we've been, um, you know, yeah. we'll, 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 well, like I had this one job where they just were not willing to pay for more than two servers total. And they bought two That's really it. nice colo servers and then just said all right man do everything you need in virtualization and they really needed three or four servers right minimum even with virtualization oh yeah i mean two servers that is modest to say the least yeah so you end up yeah. with crazy things like production and test on the same box and oh. it, yeah it's horrible it's horrible okay so, so that, that's a level of incompetence that i'm not even like that is not what i'm sanctioning right i want i want to stop the hate mail i'm not sanctioning blatant incompetence right oh, yeah <laughs> I, I, i'm sanctioning Basically, I'm just saying that it's okay to be the dark matter developer, right? It's okay to be... And to be fair, if you're listening to Go to Radio, you're probably not that guy. Or if you are, you're unhappy, right? You know, it's okay to be like, I wrote this shit in Java E 10 years ago, doing it now, right? That's that's fine. It's not okay to be like, I have one $5 server. Hmm. What can I put on it, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's... All right, but but riddle me this, Chris. Let, mm-hmm. Let's 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 be Batman villains for a moment. <laughs> okay, I'll be can, I'll be Robin. That's cool. Interesting choice. Well, I figured since you were, I mean, I usually Batman, riddle. usually Batman will bounce the riddle off of Robin, and Robin throws off a bunch of really wrong True. answers. Yeah. True. Yeah. Why is it so offensive to you that people make this what, what seems to me a very rational business decision? I don't think there's anything rational about it. Because here's 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 my here if you are in the position okay if it is gotten to the point where you need to have the scalability conversation then it is probably it is probably a type of project that needs that kind of solution that needs something but you should also have revenue at that point and be able to afford it yeah yeah I mean I'm thinking so, mostly of a, like an employer employee situation where there's an existing right. established company they're they're hired somebody they're right. paying them and like they say okay we're ready to update or we want to roll out the next version and yeah we're not going to cuz what happens is so much is like we'll just do it like we've always done it. Well we've always done it wrong. Yeah but it's always worked for us. Yeah but you've seen what happens just like as I have what happens the system melts down or some other horrible horrible thing happens and they call a contractor. Yeah. And if they're smart, they do whatever the hell the contractor tells them. Yeah. And if they're stupid, they fight the contractor and they waste money on him, and he obviously takes their money and walks away. Like, yeah. I mean, it it it, it it's one of those things. Like at that point, I feel like they treat the contractor. You know, they only call the contractor when they know they've really screwed up, and they know that they can't continue on this path. Well, and so many times, especially in an established company. Uh, there's just so much dysfunction that the contractor... Well, there's so much political backfighting. I mean, I, there is a number of large corporations local to me that there are brilliant engineers, though, but do you know what stifles the engineers? Their respective managers are kicking the shit out of each other because they each want to be the new director. Dude, you're talking to the guy who right. lives 
20, 30 minutes from right from now. From Microsoft. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I do. Very yeah. much. And Boeing is here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it, is, it is big in the bigger cultures, and that's what a lot of times contractors are like a little uh, pressure release valve. You can bring somebody in and get it taken care of. Um, Jason wrote in with an automated UI testing question. Now, we are getting close to the end of our email questions. Um, so I feel like we should do one more uh, sponsor because then after we get through these, it's going to lead us into a conversation that I think will get us onto our topic of some of our favorite open source projects. So we can oh, okay. hopefully fit a couple of those in. What do you think? Does that sound that magical? Sounds, sounds magical to me. You go over there and cough, and I'm going to take a minute, and I'm going to tell you guys about DigitalOcean. You know, here's an example of something that probably would have made my life a lot easier when I was a 9-to-5-er uh, because DigitalOcean is simple cloud hosting that is excellent, it's made easy, and it's built for developers. If you're not familiar with DigitalOcean, they're a recent sponsor here on the Coda Radio program, Simple Cloud Hosting, dedicated to the most intuitive interface and easy to spin up cloud server. You can get a new cloud server deployed in 55 seconds, and pricing plans start only at $5 per month for 512 megs of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, and Amsterdam, so you got all those covered. The interface is so intuitive, it is so simple to use, and they have a very straightforward API. But to get you started, listeners of Coder Radio can get a $10 DigitalOcean credit by using the promo code CODERRADIODECEMBER. New promo code for the new month we had. You know, people are trying out this uh, uh, DigitalOcean, Mike, because over the weekend, the the codes just uh, automatically expired for uh, just because it was the end of the month and they've renewed them now, but uh, just, you know, happens. And we got um, people in the IRC. We got people on Twitter. I got emails and we had somebody in the subreddit. <laughs> we got several people saying they were trying to try it out over the weekend. And I'll tell you why. It rocks. I have a DigitalOcean box right now running uh, Arch and BitTorrent Sync, and I'm using that to supplement my dis- my distribution infrastructure for some of the unfiltered content. And it has been amazing. And what I love about it is it's a fixed cost. I know exactly how much I'm going to pay. $5. I'm paying $5. Actually, I think it's been free because I used the promo code. But after after this month, it'll be $5. That's incredible. And I can just up it to the next level if I need to. They have a cool droplet-based system. You go in there, you say, okay, I'm going to create a droplet, and you can say, I want to I want to take a Fedora system, I want to take a CentOS system or an Ubuntu system, I want to deploy something with LAMP, with the LAMP stack already on there, or something with Docker already to go. They have hourly, so if you just want to throw up a Docker image on an Ubuntu box and just try it out. Mike, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Docker uh, had a new release uh, last Tuesday, and we had the CTO. I, I am well aware of Docker's and your CTO conversation. Yeah, so yeah. we had the CTO and founder of Docker on Linux Unplugged. The day the new version of Docker shipped, DigitalOcean had a droplet ready with Docker 0.7 to go. The day the new version of Docker was out. This is, how awesome is that? First of all, Docker's incredible. DigitalOcean Digital Ocean is awesome. And you combine setting up like a local Docker instance and pushing it up to DigitalOcean. And, and in the fact that they offer hourly pricing, it is a really great, combination to do some testing out on the public out on the real web and you combine their super excellent customer service their their lightning fast ssds and their quick internet speeds that archbox i have up there it rocks and at five dollars a month i'm gonna keep it forever i'm just gonna keep it running doing different tasks it's been so awesome so go check out DigitalOcean. use the promo code coder radio december to get a ten dollar credit and by the way DigitalOcean also has a vast collection of tutorials in their community section on their website Furthermore, users can submit articles to the community and get paid 
$50 per published piece. So if you think you have something you might want to contribute, we'll have a link to that in our show notes right below the DigitalOcean banner. Click that banner. Go check out DigitalOcean. Use the promo code CODERADIO DECEMBER. CODERADIO DECEMBER will get you a $10 credit, which is two months of DigitalOcean if you get that $5 rig, which is the rig I've been using. And then the price structure is so simple, straightforward. You know, the next the next rig up is $10 a month that gets you uh, more hard drive space and more transfer. Then the next rig up from that is another $10 a month that gets you more of everything. You get it. It's super simple. And you can also check out their hourly pricing. You switch it over. That is so cool. Yeah, so that's my favorite feature, to be honest with you. Uh, when I'm breaking things, which is kind of what I do, it's like, I, th- I think, Chris, I put up a, like 10 servers last week and I paid a solid 15 cents. Oh my gosh. Because I was just testing different uh, different scenarios, right? I was like banging on them with different things, different scripts. Uh, really, if, even if you're not going to use DigitalOcean as your primary host, go ahead and make an account and use the Coder, uh, Coder Radio code. Coder Radio December. Just to have that hourly feature. I mean, I'm using them as my primary host now. In fact, I have uh, a certain Redmond-based host is going to be unhappy next month. Oh. Uh, but seriously, that hourly feature... Just some fast, even even like, you know, just performance testing. Maybe you want to throw up a fake domain or a fake IP to tr- maybe yep. test a new user experience. Yep. Absolutely awesome. Yep. Yeah. It's so nice. And uh, they, uh, they have this template system, so you can create your own uh, template later on. Like, I have an Arch rig, so instead of having to set up this whole Arch machine again, I can just redeploy that image, and it makes it so fast. It's a really good system. So thank you very much to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio Program. We really like them. All right, Mike, I'm going to take a sip because I'm going to, about to lose my voice. Does it sound like I'm about to, or do I sound good? I sound great, right? We both sound like we're about to be burned like a... So let me ask you a question. <laughs> what? When you die... <laughs> so yeah, I've been very adamant. Like I'm doing, you mean, <laughs> right yeah, now? Like, there will be no... What episode? <laughs> 78. 78, the final episode where the guys we're, die yeah, on that's air. It. We're not making it to 79 <laughs> or 88. We're done. We're going to die. Uh, I'm thinking Jedi funeral. Like I'm going to be oh. burned. Yeah, no, like like on a big stack of sticks. Right, but I require a Sith to be there and be shady. It's going to sit there and be like, mm. You know, uh, my son uh, has a, a great hoodie and walks around as a Sith Lord when he's wearing are you, it. Are you sure it's not Jar Jar? Well, he does that too. It's, you never, you yeah. never know. And I've tried, I've, I've, <laughs> I've tried pushing him to the dark side, but he, he's going Jar Jar more. I can't guarantee what he's going to bring, but if I dress him in the hoodie, more than likely he goes Sith Lord. I love Sith Lord. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, I mean, I mean, Chris, when we die at two o'clock this afternoon, uh-huh. Eastern time, yeah. Are, are you thinking Jedi funeral with me? I that mean, would be awesome, dude. That would be or, awesome. Or straight up Force Ghost disappear. Well, we, right now, gone. Oh, just vanish and the clothes fall down on the floor. And then we can haunt the new CEO of my. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why can't we have both? Can we? Yeah, I don't think we I, can. I, I think. No, I th- I'm trying to think, but I think, like, remember, they burned Vader's body. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, and then he's... he's chill- spoiler alert from 1985. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, but yeah. then, remember, after they burned his body, he's chilling with his homies, watching True. the fire, right? But Which is pretty, because, pretty wait, messed up, if you think about it. But he was more machine than man. Yeah. Maybe so he maybe, died a long time ago. Maybe he died. Maybe his soul was dead. Mm-hmm. But either way, I, I, I'm really thinking, like... We go out like a boss with pneumonia. <laughs> and then we come back as Force Ghosts. Yeah. Mmm, Stephen Elop. New show. I think we have new show possibilities there, Just too. Just trolling the shit out of the Microsoft CEO. Yeah. 
every time the Connect doesn't read us, because of course we have no soul, so the Connect can't. Or, well, no, hmm. we would only be a soul. So could the Connect pick yeah, us up? Yeah, I think we'd show up on the infrared spectrum. But would the Connect like cry and turn around because you know it can actually move? <laughs> what? Yeah, it moves. I think it only moves up and down there. Oh, I got the Xbox One. It's awesome. You should get it. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, that's what everybody tells me, man. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. I So okay, Chase brought over the Xbox One. We recorded an Unfiltered Supporter Show last week, and then we played some Xbox One on the live stream. And, uh, you know, it seems like a nice rig, but uh, I got to tell you, none of the games really appeal to me. Well, um, I, don't well, I didn't try Call of Duty or uh, or um, 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 the, well, uh, the Ninja game. good if you like to shoot. Uh, well, I do like to shoot. 12-year-olds online. Like, I don't like to shoot 12-year-olds, though, no. Problem is, you have to turn the sound off, or else it's a miserable experience. How? Uh, be honest, how has the voice commands been? Because when I tried it, super hit and miss. Uh, actually, pretty good for me. When it works, it works, but when it doesn't work, it's super annoying. So, if I talk like a normal person, fine. If I talk with a New Jersey accent, very bad. So, if I'm like, hey, yo, Xbox, what up, dog? Hit me up with some Netflix. It's like, what? But if I'm like, Xbox, Netflix, like, <laughs> okay. You it's need that mid- negative in the freedom dimension. No, no, it's, it's, it's negative in the Italian dimension, actually. Yeah, yeah. If I'm like, yo, como te va? Hey, oh. I don't know. I think I'm going to I'm gonna save my pennies and hold out for a student Do not box. PS4. That, oh, mm-hmm. no. I said it. I said it. I'm doing it, I think. Why not? We should talk about something off air, because I almost did something that you would have liked. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. If you're going to build a Steam box, um, I'll buy one. Tell you what. I've killed a lot of projects this year that I spent a lot of money on. (laughs) I have a graveyard that I might just mail to you at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It could be a giveaway. The the, the, uh, dominant graveyard uh, giveaway. The fingertip tech patent lawsuit um, graveyard. So uh, we had an email in here about automated UI testing. And I thought maybe yeah, we could offend some like people. It. Do you want to talk about that? So, so okay, no. this is actually the holy grail for me. Perfect automated testing. Yeah, no automated UI testing. So why don't you go ahead and read the email, right. and then I'm going to yell. All right. So Jason writes. And he says, "Hello, Chris and Michael. Recently, my brother took a job doing QA testing for a .NET software company. Take a shot. He's my a, condolences. He's not. He's not a developer, but he has been working on support QA for many years." I was talking to him about his new job and being a developer myself, and what I heard when I heard him mention quote-unquote test cases, I assumed that he was talking about some sort of automated test case. No, apparently their test cases are simply procedures documented in an Excel spreadsheet that a human has to do manually. Stop, stop. So this is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Continue. Uh, he says, so apparently a human has to do manually several hundred times a day by following the spreadsheet. It's absolute madness. And while I understand the need for some level of manual Q- QA testing, the complete absence of any sort of automated testing makes me cringe. I'm encouraging him to learn to program to automate some of his work. However, I'm not a .NET developer. And I'm not familiar with the tooling around automated UI there is testing. so much wrong here. I ran across I- a project called White over on GitHub that may be an option, but I'm really looking for something like Selenium for .NET applications, something that doesn't bind directly to the system but simply automates mouse and keyboard input. Do you have any tools or advice to help my brother from wasting his life doing tedious manual testing? Thanks for producing such an awesome show. Jason. Wow. Yeah, that that sounds so, like hell. <laughs> so my, my, my first advice for our... I have nothing against .NET or .NET for developers. Go ahead and open your preferred version of Microsoft Word. Go file, open, resume, dot, dot. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. 
the hell out of here. <laughs> exactly. Go ahead and update that. And go on monster.com or dice.com and, and have a good time. <laughs> um, yeah, that's horrible. So you're, first of all, this is his brother, right? Yeah, it's his bro. His bra. Broseph Lieberman is screwed. Yeah. Is it, I have a few frameworks he could use that, that I'm going to share in the chat room in a second. Uh, but this seems like a cultural problem with the company. Yeah, it sounds like they, it was good enough, and so they never moved forward, right? Yeah, so it seems like we have a PM here who's like, you know, this is how I did it in the in the twenties, perhaps. <laughs> uh, you know, me and the Great Gatsby were chilling. <laughs> thought of this, it was good. Well, and, it did uh, make a lot more sense when they had punch cards. Oh, yeah. I mean, let me take a martini sip for much. Wow, time. I just feel like that would be such a soul. So, what are you going to do today? Oh. More testing. And you know what? I don't even know where to go from here. Like, I so actually, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I quit a client over this, and I'm not even shitting you. I quit a client because um, they were developing a, a web app, and I've actually I've actually told part of the story where they had – where this is where I had Windows 8 testing done, um, and they just had a room full of contract employees, part-time contract employees oh God. Oh that God, would just no. bang on the software. Not a QA den. And, don't tell me a QA den. And, oh. when, and here's the worst part. When uh, the the task for the IT guy, you know, the highly paid IT contractor, when when there just right. wasn't anything for him really to do, but they still wanted him to come in in case something came up because the main IT guy was out. So just sit at the desk. They'd have me do some of the software banging. And I was like, well, I did that for two days. And I was like, I, I can't do it anymore. I just couldn't do it anymore. So then I, my first response was I made up work, which is horrible, horrible. And then I was like, ah, I'm out. That's <laughs> right. I fired the client. All right, so look. Okay. Let's just think, <laughs> let's deal with one atrocity at a time here. Okay, all right. Where do you want to start? I'd like to start, let's just do the whole life cycle of the QA process. You've got this application or website or whatever, and you're like, holy shit, this doesn't work. At what point do you get from there to, okay, uh, Excel? Why is there no like red mine? Because here's what like. happens. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Why well, is there no real or even GitHub or Bitbucket? No, what is, what is beautiful about this arrangement, it is ripe with possibilities to blame people. So why didn't – hey, Jan, why didn't you find that? You were supposed to be testing this. It's in the spreadsheet. Who cares? Jan, who cares? why didn't you find that? It's your fault, Jan. Oh, God. Who cares who made the bug? Just fix it. Right. You found it, you fix it. It doesn't matter if I made it or you made it or – or the ninja next door snuck in, broke into the office, and made it. It doesn't matter. Those ninjas. Those ninjas always adding extra <laughs> semicolons. And brackets. They love brackets. brackets. <laughs> well, they are Objective-C ninjas. <laughs> I, I feel like... Right, so, so I don't get, like, if there are .NET shop, wait. A, so there's a lot of things wrong, right? Because yeah. Microsoft has bug tracking solutions that... Yeah. Are better than Excel, right? Like, isn't this what everybody loves about .NET? Is there such a great suite of applications right. and stuff around it? I mean, so there's, it just... there's Team Foundation Server, which which is very enterprising and does all this PM shit. Uh, if you don't want to do that, there's a you know you could use a real source control system, sorry, like Git or Mercurial, and then you could um, you know. So we used to use a fingertip actually before we moved all the way to GitHub, which we did, and we never talked about it on the show, which I should talk about in a minute. Okay, all right. Uh, we used to use Intelli, not IntelliJ, uh, Corporation Makes IntelliJ, JetBrains, that's the corporate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they had a product called U-Track. Not the prettiest website ever. In fact, it looks like a donkey's ass. Mm. But it has all the advanced bug tracking features you would need. Mm. And frankly, it served me well for a long time. Mm. I mean, I, I used it for years, then I canceled it because I was doing everything in Bitbucket. 
And then as we got more people, it became harder and harder to kind of do it that way. So went back to it. But uh, there are so many reasonably priced or quote open source slash free bug trackers. Like if you have a Dell box laying around, you could straight up make a server, throw a red mine on it and be done. Right. If you have like $10 a month, you can get you track. Uh, if if you're a Git guy and you're using GitHub, well, that's part of what you're paying for. That's why they charge the obscene amounts of money they charge yeah. for source code hosting. Yeah, because they have all the PM tools with it, which are awesome but very expensive. Uh, Bitbucket, it's like baby GitHub. It has the tools; they're not as good, but they're better than Excel, right? Like, I, there there's no excuse in 2014, 2013 to be using Excel for a spreadsheet. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, if if you're the client and you're sending the team a spreadsheet because you're pissed. Fine, but somebody on the team should be like, okay, here's our bug tracker. Let's key this stuff in. How do you suppose – so if they have several people banging on an app, do they have like – it doesn't sound like it's a Google Doc. So if they update the spreadsheet, does oh, everybody God. have to close the spreadsheet and then reopen you know from like the network share in read-only mode? Like how does that work? We're not going to touch it with a 50 <laughs> – maybe it's some SkyDrive, all right? Maybe it's a SkyDrive. Yeah, but still, it's just so funky. It's so funky. Uh, well, I so feel let, bad for that right, guy. Let me ask this spreadsheet, right? Let's say I think I fixed the bug. I closed the bug. I, what does that mean? I deleted the row in the spreadsheet? Who knows? Right. <laughs> what if I didn't fix the bug or it regresses after a merge or something like that? How do we keep track of everything that's happened? Well, you know, I realized, too, you were going to mention, too, about you know your aspirations for automated UI testing itself. And right, it, but there's so many layers below that, right? <laughs> like, even once you've solved the, like, tracking problem, is what he really wants to do possible? Fully automated yeah. UI testing. Uh, now, there is some stuff that's possible in .NET. Uh, project I've used a full-time, or a few times, not full, wow, Martini 5. It's called SpecFlow. It is very similar to the uh, Cucumber um, library Okay. in Ruby, or Gem. I don't know what they prefer these days. Specflow, uh, Specflow. There is a bunch of stuff in .NET. I mean, I like Specflow because it's BDD and less awful. Uh, to be honest, I'm not the best BDD TDD guy on the planet. In fact, I tend to not do it as much as I should. But certainly, if you're, um, I mean, what. What, what this guy's brother's organization is doing is so far off the mark that <laughs> they have a lot of other problems. I know you just than, like it's like, yeah. dude, get your get your brother a drink. Like, it's the yeah, holidays like, coming up. Like, spend a little extra time with him. He needs he's going to need like, some tender love it, and care. To be honest, I know this isn't the answer you were looking for. Your brother shouldn't even care about testing frameworks just yet. Like, they need to straight sort out this Excel document thing. Um, <laughs> it's so funny every time you say Excel, I laugh. <laughs> Well, yeah, because it's, it's really stupid. Like, yeah, it's a bad idea. I agree. All right. Well, we got one more email to get to, and then we have a uh, uh, subreddit uh, thread I want to just jump into real quick. He says, this is from Thomas. Hi, Mike and Chris. Love the show as well as all the Jupiter Broadcasting lineup. But thanks, Thomas. I currently have a job doing Node.js development, and I find myself weaning between criticizing and apologizing for the platform. On the one hand, I have my... Apologizing. <laughs> I have my coworkers who think it's greater than sex. And then my enterprise-natured friends criticize it. I find that I'm constantly in two battles, telling my coworkers to get over the hype and telling my friends to buy into it. So my question is along the lines of this. Do you ever have technologies that you think is cool, but you just want everyone to shut up about? Thanks, Thomas. 
Absolutely. It's called Rails. Uh, <laughs> PHP. So, oh. So, so can I make a confession? Mm-hmm. Go. I think the reason I hate the Node.js people so much is they remind me of me when Rails first came out. And I think there's a little projection going on there. Oh, you're like you're mad at your past self a little bit? Yeah, for being an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Like, uh, you've been down that road. Um, yeah, like, there's always this need, right, for, for every new framework to solve, you know, the universe and all the problems. And it's never the case. Yeah, but. yeah. And it's interesting, too. Like, uh, so Thomas sounds like a pretty practical guy who's able to just, you know, abstractly uh, analyze the benefits and the downsides of a technology, weigh those and say, all right, well, practically speaking, it meets my needs. And so he's not he's not like some sort of crazy enthusiast about it, but he's also, you know, not buying into all the hatery like like commonly happens with some of these things too. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like who guys into the haterade? Hang on. <clears throat> Yo, I've got a hater teeny. Well, I sometimes buy into some haterade, sure. 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 And sometimes Mr. Dominic too. But you know, like I think we more more often than not more walk the line of practical approach to something. I really All do. Right, so here's my issue, right? Yeah, sure. What can I do in Node.js that I couldn't do yesterday? And the answer, and I'm being fair, right? is you can handle event-driven asynchronous requests a lot better. Yeah. Right. When do I care about that? Well, I think... How many times in a calendar year does that ever matter for me? And the answer, on average, is zero. Yeah, but for the people it does matter, it really matters. Right, but the people it matters for are not as many as the people that are using it, and it's by a huge margin. Hmm. Having said that, <sighs> I... For the writer, I would ask yourself, why is it important for you to validate this decision you've made, right, to other people? Unless you're causing a security issue for your organization, unless you're causing some kind of scalability issue, I would just block them out. You're never going to convince the enterprise guys because when you're dealing with enterprise projects, you don't really care. You're dealing with different kinds of issues. You might have to keep up to certain standards, certain, uh, for instance, HIPAA compliance, things like that. I don't know what kind of enterprise you're in, but if it's a real enterprise where, you know, with a capital E, they're so far from caring about that kind of thing that, you know, they don't want to hear. Uh, The other guys who are drinking the Kool-Aid, I think that's a phase people go through. Yeah. Right. Like, I feel like I went through that phase. And and Chris, I love you so much. I feel like you went through that phase, too. Like, you had to at some point. Oh, sure. Like with Linux. Yeah. Right. With Linux. Right. Yeah. Um, You know this is actually something I've been drafting a post. I'm in this weird position now where I have friends who are .NET. I have uh, .NET developers. I mean, I have personally, I'm doing a lot of Java these days and I've kind of fallen back on Java. I think I, you know, you're like with, so here's the thing. <coughs> Man, I got to get, get rid of this long first. Like with Linux, like I went very far into the fanboyism. Right. Then, you know, had to, then sort of over time kind of became more accepting of, the obvious limitations, like a Linux on the desktop, and you know problems like here's one can't play a Blu-ray, right? That's a huge deal for some people. Right. Like there's or all these back, things that I eventually Ubuntu nine ten can't play audio of any kind. Yes, yeah. I eventually came to you know a much more comfortable position of of you know now I'm now I, I now I'm still a Linux enthusiast, but for all of these all these other more intricate reasons and the the just the gotta defend it passion like you know when when alan makes a cracks a an anti-linux joke on TechSnap, i feel no motivation to right. defend linux i'm not there to defend linux so, it is so what it this is. is this is i have an exact uh, parallel with linux i like linux i like linux for a long time um i go to meetings i still carry a surface pro or a macbook air 
because I need to give PowerPoint presentations and I need to make sure everything works spot on. Right. Mm -hmm. I come home, I'm dual booting Linux and uh, Windows uh, El Ocho, as I call it. Actually, El Ocho Punto Uno. Hello. Um, you know, it's weird because I, I like Windows Phone. I like iOS. I like Android. Um, and it just depends on my mood, which one I want to use. Mm -hmm. And with Ting.com, I can easily switch phones and not have this freaking problem. Hey, oh, that's right. They now support iPhones. No, you can just straight up be like, go into the web interface and switch your phone. It's kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, I know. It is really nice. So if it's like Tuesday and I'm like, I want to be rocking a Windows <laughs> phone today. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but for your friends who are drinking the Kool-Aid, I mean, why is it important that you... It's just a phase, right? I mean, one day... All right, Chris. So this you is know what why it ends up important rails. because it's important to them, and so they right. they rib you and they bring it up and they talk about it. That's why it's important. But to me, and and I feel that I was the same way when I was a Rails fanboy. Is that you know I have a brother who's six, and how old is Dylan? Seven, something like that. Five. He's almost five. Right. If Dylan told you, if he said, "Dad, you suck. Windows Eight is the bomb. What up, dog?" <laughs> Boom! I mean, mic are, drop. Are you going to get in an argument with Dylan, or are you going to say that's sweet, honey? Go in the other room. Um, yeah. I, well, I maybe not really... if he told you that you suck. You probably right. Him, but... Yeah, I mean, I would have to rough him up a little bit just because if he was, if he was a little less disrespectful, yeah. right? Yeah, it's it's the same thing. Like, I don't really like yeah. if my brother walked up to Emma. I got to be honest. My brother doesn't know what Apple is or what an iPad is. He is the biggest Apple fanboy ever because Apple has Mickey Mouse games, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's all he knows, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like it has his. It's actually a great game. I wish I had the link. I'd plug it. Like Mickey and Goofy do math. It's amazing. Um, but but honestly, the kid's like, I showed him my other tablet. He's like, I showed him a Nexus 7. What did he call it? What do you think? Uh, Is this a new iPad? Oh, he called it the iPad. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because him. And then he said, can I get my game? And I looked and he couldn't. It's yeah. the same thing. It's, my point is that these guys were drinking the Kool-Aid. They're kind of like children. And I was the same way with Rails. I, I, I'm i not exempting myself from this. And I, I wouldn't really exempt Chris either. I, I'm just saying that this is a phase people go through. Yeah. And then eventually you grow up and you're like, I don't really care yeah. as long as the, the client or the customer is happy. You know, whatever gets the job done. Yeah, I agree. And I wouldn't stress about it either if I was him. Yeah, I, I wouldn't try to convince people. Because you know, you know what's going to convince them? One day, Node is going to bite them in the ass. Yeah. Right? And then they're going to be like, oh, you know, they're not going to have to go read around and see what happened. All right, I, I know gotta, this. Rails I gotta, did it to me. I got one last one, and I just want to get it. to it because then we got a couple more things. And this one's a curveball. I didn't, I didn't uh, prep you ahead of time, so get ready for it. This one came in from Jan one zero two four one eight eight. It's catchy. Too many numbers for me. Uh, in the uh, IRS, in, I'm sorry, in the subreddit, he says, "I have a question, maybe even a suggestion. Would you be guy? Would you guys be interested in an experiment?" of trying to code a radio out with the Mumble Room one week. Uh, sort of like a Skype call-in show, but instead of Skype, using Mumble. Now, we do this on Linux Unplugged, and here's something that works kind of nice where we haven't had this flexibility before on Skype, is we have an on-air room, and then we have a queue room up above where we have a moderator who checks out people's mics and audio quality before they bring them into the on-air room. And then we also have a private room where we can drag somebody so we can just have a one-on-one. -on -one. And it's worked pretty good. So it's been kind of an interesting way to kind of have more of a roundtable discussion with folks on the Mumble Room. And, you know, here's what I was going to suggest. Now, as we're considering this, we were talking last week about possibly doing a double recording on the 16th because the following right. is Christmas week. And that might be a fun way to do the second episode 
part of the double recording is the second episode we do kind of like a roundtable chat, Linux Unplugged style, bring people on, talk about stuff. We don't have to keep them on the whole time. We can hang up on them. So, so how does this work? I mean, I, I think I would be interested. Uh, you know, one of one of the things I, I have kind of intentionally gone away from is the, you know, programming quiz hour show. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's kind of annoying for me. Um. Yeah, you know what we would need is like a couple of topics, topic, right? To kind of right? float I, around. I think we could do it. I don't. I so I have used Mumble, but only in the context of killing. Oh change. well, I do that over here. So I I so sign you handle that. You just okay. Skype in, yeah. Oh, I don't have to do anything. No, no, no. All right, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't have to do anything. No, yeah. You care. just connect as regular, okay. and then I bring them in as just another okay. line. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm a subscriber to Linux Unplugged. I, I like to Linux Unplugged. My only concern would be sound quality, but if you say there's a moderator, that kind of does. Yeah, that. We'll, we'll make sure we'll have yeah. somebody in there. Okay, so let's, uh, so let's, you know what? Um, so guys, what we should do here, and we're, we're we're doing show planning on the air, Chris. Yeah, uh, no, that's horrible. The first show should be a normal show, yeah, right? Yeah, on the 16th, the first one's and just a regular the, show. At the very end of the show, we can even have it recorded. We will list the topics for the next show, and then we'll just do a brief bath, bathroom break, and then we'll just yeah. Then we'll, Flip right in. we'll get the mumble room on and we'll just go yeah. to it. Go for it. I will need, of course, someone to send me liquor. Yeah, and questions. We're going to need lots of emails, too. Uh, and if you are an IRS agent in the chat room, uh, call me after the show. You know, we could even, you know, if we even got some really good emails that we thought might work with the group, we could hold on to those, too. And so here's, you know what, we should mention this now. Uh, you can email us, coderadio at jupiterbroadcasting.com or go over to Jupiter Broadcasting and pop the contact link and then send is there any, feedback. Is there any degradation in call quality between Skype and the mumble room? Um, you know, it always depends on the person's equipment more than anything else, but a lot of people think that the Opus codec that Mumble uses is higher quality than Skype. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm open for, I'll try it out. I can't promise it's something we do weekly. Yeah, right? oh, no, not weekly, I wouldn't think. No, I feel like that, that could be I think it's more of like work. a replacement for a call-in show that we do from time to time because right. it, uh, it has the flex. See, the problem with this, one, one of the flaws with the call-in show is like sometimes there's just nobody calling in, whereas the Mumble room has a queue more like... So, um, and, and there's also kind of more of a rep system on there. So, you know, there's like regulars that are known good with good audio setups and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that would be good. I, I noticed some people are asking about bit message. Are you ready for a noob question? Yeah. Why would we want bit message? You know, uh, I, I don't really think we need it for this show. Right. Cause what are we going to send that needs that kind of yeah. consideration? It's neat yeah. just because it gets away from email, uh, which is right. cool, but, uh, uh, yeah, like on filter, it makes a lot of sense because of course the nature of the content, things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, if 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 you're interested in BitMessage, and you can email me at uh, radio at jupiterbroadcasting dot com. Who do you think about Bitcoin now? Like here we are, it's sitting at a thousand. My, never mind. What? Nothing. What? Nothing. You what? You wipe your what? <laughs> Not a thing. Uh, I see. I'm thankful for Bitcoin right now because. Uh, when we got the news about uh, Amazon, I sold off a few at uh, at sort of the higher end price, and so kind of closed the gap in revenue. I would loss. go ahead and sell, dude. I mean, honestly, yeah. Well, I didn't sell all of them, but I sold I sold a couple, so that way. Uh, you so, know. do you know what's surprising me about Bitcoin? Hmm. The freaking government hasn't shut it down yet. No, in like, fact, there was two separate yeah. Senate hearings where they're fairly positive about it. Really, I was shocked. I, I I'm a big C-SPAN fan. Well, I, I wouldn't seem to care. I like, wouldn't discount like, the possibility that somebody within the government created it. <laughs> I mean, it's really advanced. It is, it is, I mean, the, the thing is, it's so sophisticated, it's pretty hard to believe that it was initially created by one person. If that one Satoshi Nakamoto really did make it, he is one of the most gifted programmers on the face of the planet. I mean, it is 
people who have looked at it, he said it's some of the most advanced work out there. Like from another world advanced. So maybe, maybe, maybe a team like at the NSA, you know, the type of people who could make Stuxnet created a currency to undermine uh, countries like China. No, you're just saying. I mean, it, could, it could be a possibility. You're saying that my deep, close personal friend, Edward Snowden, might have done this. Well, I mean, uh, I guess Snowden's supposed to be a pretty clever. Maybe Edward Snowden, a Sat- Satoshi Nakamoto. I think, I think we just solved it right there. I think it's Miyamoto from Nintendo. <laughs> uh, you know what? We have a book pick we should probably get to before we run this week. Uh, and uh, <laughs> oh, I, Are we one, running? Well, we don't have to, but we're... Where's your stamina? Oh, I've got... I mean, dude, don't even... Dude, you don't, you don't even know, man. I could go for hours. Dude, I have more martini. I can't stop. All right, all right. Well, then do you want to uh, take a minute and talk about some of our favorite open source projects this year? Let's do it. And I think... I don't think it's fair to say of all time because, honestly, there's... Open source is such a part of my life now that there's stuff that I, I use I don't even think about. Like, like VLC would have to be on that list, right? That's just not... That's not reasonable. So... So, to be fair, I write this article every year, open source projects that I've used. Oh, yeah? On your blog? Or what? Yeah, on DominicM.com, yeah. Okay. Nice. Uh, you, we've done this a couple of times. Uh, yeah. We did it for a couple of years on last, too. We didn't do it this year because of the timing of all the things, but uh, I, I think it's a, I think it's kind of a nice way to kind of give a tip of the hat to some of the stuff that we all use. So, um, what kind of category stuff? Are you thinking infrastructure? Are you thinking apps? Like Firefox? What are you thinking? So, to be fair, I, I've only really cared about libraries. Okay, um, that's awesome. I mean, that's and I already I already did write the article and post it. Oh, look at you! Should I go look it up? Yeah, here I can send you a link in the chat room. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, so what's interesting is almost all of the selections from twenty twelve are pretty much not being used anymore. No kidding! I was gonna yeah. wow. I would I would have actually expected the opposite in a lot of ways. Oh, I guess for libraries. Oh, okay, yeah. All right. So I mean, to be fair, some of them had it coming though, right? Uh, you know, for instance, ASI HTTP was a networking library that I was using all the time on iOS that was not supported by the maintainer, did not support ARC, and I had a crazy-ass branch of that did different things. that It just didn't make sense anymore, right? Uh, I mean, to keep using his code. It was a VSD library. Uh, I ended up rolling my own, which I do hope to open source in 2014, if I can get it to not suck and be embarrassing. Uh, but in terms of, you know, the frameworks I've really been using, the platforms, uh, Chris, you won't be shocked to hear that Docker is my number one. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we need to go into this because my love of Docker has been well documented. Right. Number but not a big shocker, right? I mean, Docker, obviously. Java Play mm, mm-hmm. kind of replaced Rails for me. That's interesting, too, because we've followed your Java Play uh, yeah. arc here on the show. And it was interesting because there was a time when I really tried it out and it didn't have the... Uh, right. Yeah, that was, this is when you'd kind of change your mind on. It, you know, it wasn't there, and then they did the 2X series, and it was a lot better. Uh. Um, it, it's, it still, I think, could use a few things, but it, yeah. it's... It's a pretty solid platform. Now uh, you know, with this kind of stuff, I'm usually like, if if if, if, you, if I feel like they're they're making solid progress and they're on a path to continue improvement, like it's not declining, uh, then I'll jump on a little earlier than maybe is totally ready for. But if I feel like it's going to pay off in the long run, it's usually worth it for me. 
I just like to comment in the chat room. So someone's asking me to release the open source library before it's um, my networking library as open source before it doesn't suck. <laughs> That's interesting advice. Yeah. <laughs> It's pessimistic. That's a, that's a pessimistic yeah, that's, look. It's kind of sad. It's sad o'clock. I mean, really. <laughs> that person needs a martini. Yes, have a drink. All right. And All my right. third open this one's source g- platform. This could be controversial. I'm not sure I'm ready for this. He's sitting down. Sitting down. ASP.net. NBC, baby. What? <laughs> I'm so sick from it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so he says, uh, uh, thanks to Microsoft's liberal treatments of Azure credits. <laughs> there's a good demand for MZC from a cost-conscious client. You know, that does make sense. Yeah, so that was one that was kind of an involuntary look, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this so is probably if, the one that won't be on the list next year, right? <laughs> I I have a feeling it won't be, right? And I So it's interesting, this year, I, I'm almost sure Docker is going to make it to 2014, right? Java Play will probably make it. This one won't. And it's kind of sad to say, but the reason it's on this is A, Microsoft open-sourced it this year. B, they were giving out these Azure credits like candy. Uh, you know, I... There's nothing wrong with ASP.NET. It's just the hassle of running a Windows server. Unless you're doing Azure, I'm not sure why you would do it. Oh, yeah. I do yeah. agree with you. Um, I mean, Especially if when if you look at... You look at well, I guess Azure kind of gives you that that Docker, or I'm sorry, that uh, DigitalOcean like droplet effect. But yeah, it's, it gives you. It's very. It's actually more of a Heroku kind of thing. It's, yeah, it just to me still seems like too much. <laughs> it's like more than I need. It's more difficult. It's more overhead. There's a, there's, I don't know. I, I that could be my bias uh, shining through, but I to me it seems like more of an uphill pitch. Well, it, it's not terrible. I mean, it it makes sense. If you're using Azure or you're a yeah. deeply entrenched Microsoft shop. Yeah, sure. Uh, but if you're a, a multi-language polyglot shop, hashtag buzzword, Ooh. It, there's a lot of overhead <laughs> with running a Microsoft server. You know, more so than running like a Red Hat, you know, one Red Hat server with a bunch of Ubuntu servers, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a... It, it, I don't really know what else to say about it. It, it, it. It's not bad per se. It's just not appropriate for what I'm doing. It. It. I think it. If for me, it is. A, oh. Oh no. Oh no. Let me call him back. Oh no, Mr. Dominic. Are you hanging up? What about that stamina? What happened to the stamina? I meant to mute myself because I was coughing and I like <laughs> hit the hang up. You know, yeah. for me, and this could be an oversimplification of the setup, but I think, I think it comes down to the fact that Linux is you, you start with the kernel and you build up to what yeah. you need, and Windows is is the whole shebang and you you whittle down to what you need. And the two different approaches are just two different fundamental ways to go about it. And I think uh, for infrastructure and hosting, the Linux approach is superior. So, so I'll be fair, though. I mean, I I don't know that I would support what you're saying. Um, oh, your face, okay. Oh, uh, your ass, yeah. <laughs> uh, I like Azure a lot, right? But the problem is Fingertip Tech has been around for four years now. It has been a Unix shop. I say Unix because, you know, the front-end Apple and Android on the back-end Linux, right? With a spattering of BSD every other year. Yeah. For a long time now. And, and I... You know, even when it was just me, I developed processes that 
are basically Ruby scripts or Bash scripts and simply don't work on Windows, right? Unless I was using Azure, that's a huge migration. Yeah. I mean, that is literally taking everything I've done since I started the company and taking a butane lighter and burning it all on fire. Um, Reset. In terms of Azure, there's this weird situation where Azure is awfully expensive. Like, I mean, compared, and not, not, not to pimp our sponsor too much, but DigitalOcean is far more affordable than Azure. Like, orders of magnitudes cheaper, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in a lot yeah. of ways, a lot more flexible. Uh, you know, the ability to create something locally and push it up is just not impossible with Azure, but it's it's so easy with DigitalOcean. I mean, well, Azure has Git deployment and things like that, but I think it's not I, cheap. I oh yeah oh no I know this is my yeah. point is I I think the problem with Azure is that they are they're too expensive for the low end and they're probably not customizable enough for the high end. They have some weird settings, I will say. Like debugging is turned off by default. Well, who needs debugging? I mean, you're just developing right. software. If it just says message 500 server error, that's <laughs> good enough for me, guys. Good enough. Problem solved. Problem solved. Something's wrong with the server. Go fix it. Restart IS. You're good. I, I, but it is not a bad service by any stretch of the imagination. It's just not. You know, it was a big influence this year because. Those credits. A, a lot of my clients had those credits, yeah. and it was too hard to fight. And to be honest, I was interested in it, and I still am. But it's, the cost of Azure, it, you know, there, there there are very few clients that I currently have that I could justify Azure to over DigitalOcean or some other service. Don't right? you think it's interesting that Microsoft, so the uh, old school Microsoft approach was they go into schools and other p- types of places and say, yeah. or like uh, government organizations and say, Here's some software. Here's some licenses. We'll give you this for free. Now you have to buy the next version, but you get uh, we'll we'll license Office 2000 to everybody here at the school. Um, and I watched this happen with uh, during NT four days at the school district I was working at. And now you know you move forward to cloud solutions, and they're kind of just doing the same thing. Well, here's credits to our cloud platform. Get it for free for a little while. It's it's actually I'm not even joking. It's actually the drug dealer model. Well, I mean that's I mean that's kind of hyperbole, right? That's I mean that is what that is what they're doing. But yeah. a lot of other businesses do that, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I've always that. watched that process, though. You know, here's their here's our software. You know, try it out for a little while. But the problem is, is so here's the thing: you though, get if hooked all... on the whole back end. Like it's right. not just the you know, it's not just well, the, it's the Heroku web... model. Heroku does the same thing. Yeah, it's just Linux based, right? It's Unix based. I would say that if you're already a .NET shop, Azure makes a lot of sense, right? And Azure should at least be your prototyping solution. But, you know, the, the reality of the situation is Fingertip wasn't a .NET shop, right? It certainly did a lot of .NET this year. I mean, there's no, no doubt about that. Um, but it wasn't until .NET was free. And, you know, on the front end, yeah, I did, you know, pursue .NET projects, things like that. But on the back end, it kind of just happened. Um. I, I just can't see it being big next year for me, only because I have no incentive to push it. Unless there's more credits. Uh, right. If they keep giving out the credits, yeah. obviously people are going to come to me and say, yeah. great, we want this app done. Uh, we, we know it needs a client and a server, and we have you know a year's free of Azure. Then yeah, okay. I'm I mean, a, the, we're the obviously- history, Microsoft's history would indicate they'll just keep giving out the credits until they have an established market share. 
Well, they've done well. I mean, it's it's hard to it's it's hard to say they haven't done well. I mean, they've picked up a lot of business. I guess I kind of agree with Shane Kufel too. He says if a business doesn't have a look at the cost of the platform over the course of the life of the product, that's their fault. And I agree. It's kind of like, uh, first of all, I think we underspend on infrastructure as a whole as yep. it is. I think infrastructure is one of the most important things you can spend your money on. So I, it's, it's funny when people are always looking for the cheapest solution. I think there's a balance between your cost, what you get, and what you can do with it, of course. And this is where I feel like Azure falls down. Now, I... I obviously am not saying that's true for every scenario. Like you look at uh, freaking Apple's iMessage. That's huge. Millions of users, right? And they use Azure as the back end for that, that, that thing. And so obviously there is a time right, and place. So, yeah. I mean, if, if, if someone's going to make the argument that Azure doesn't scale, they're an idiot, right? right? I mean, Azure can handle iMessage. Azure handles Halo. Oh, actually, God. sorry. Could you say that again? iMessage is down. I couldn't. I didn't get that. Oh, just kidding. Oh. Oh. Yeah. But, but in reality, right? Azure... Yeah itself is fine in terms of scalability it's, it's really just very expensive i mean that's and it's dot net right i could be honest if like if four years ago when we were when i was deciding how to do backends if i wasn't already a unix guy i probably would have gone dot net and azure would probably be one of my main things right now hmm. but you know it was kind of you know years of doing java work years of being in the unix space kind of just It doesn't fit. It doesn't synergize, Chris. The synergy. I don't, you. I don't believe you. I don't think you would. I don't know. So my gut tells yeah, me, can. my gut tells me that the the all of the cons you mentioned now would still be a factor. I, I think I. I just can't see myself administering Windows servers because they are a little more high maintenance than I'm willing to deal with. Right. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Or I'd have to charge a lot to do it. Well, you know what? We've never had anybody write in with the case for Azure, really. We haven't yet. So maybe somebody out there could email in and say, you know, here is here is for you know a small independent guy to a company or whatever, whatever your situation so is. I don't think that is the case for Azure. Honestly, I think the case for Azure is medium to large businesses. It is on-demand, super sure. scalable, super reliable servers. Sure, yeah. This is not the, the small guy. Um, this isn't DigitalOcean, right? This isn't Rackspace. This isn't anything like that. This is, um, I mean, it's Microsoft. Come on. It's more of an enterprise thing. It's, it's, well, that is true. Yeah. I mean, if you have to ask how much it costs, you can't afford it. It's just like with all their stuff, right? Let's be real. I mean, do we want to get into talking about how much per core SQL server costs? No, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they, it's one of those things. If you can't afford it, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. That's probably true. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, should we get to our book pick? All right, let's do it. So now, even though uh, we've had difficulties with Amazon, we still want you to have something to read. And, you know, some folks out there are so upset they're going to stop shopping at Amazon. And I just, I couldn't, I, I can't stop shopping at Amazon. I, I'm an Amazon Prime customer. I like Amazon. Um, we also still use their Amazon payment system. Uh, so I say, get yourself a book. Now, you don't have to get it from Amazon. You can get it from wherever you want. But this week, Mr. Dominic has a recommendation. Stay a while and listen. How two, blizz- how two blizzards unleashed Diablo and forged a video game empire. Stay a while and listen. Yes, That's a good title. Deckard Cain. Yeah, that is a good title. Uh, so book one invites the reader to discover the origin of Blizzard North, a studio built by gamers for gamers and Blizzard Entertainment, a convergence of designers driven to rule their industry. That sounds pretty interesting, actually. So you get a little behind-the-scenes info on Blizzard and... Uh, that is actually sounds more like a culture clash than it does some sort of amazing marriage. I'd be curious to hear how it plays out in the book. 
It's composed from exhaustive research and hundreds of personal interviews. The Stay A While and Listen series divulges the faded meeting that brought the two blizzards together, the clashes and the to- and what tore them apart. Uh-huh, there you go. And their transformation from a grassroots democracy to a corporate empire. At the center of it all, Diablo. A hack and slash adventure through the darkest uh, recesses of hell that changed the online gaming forever's. That sounds like a pretty interesting book. Yeah, it's pretty good. I actually read through it last week. It's... um. Not the longest book on the planet, but it's it's interesting how they're basically a bunch of gamers who decided to start a company. And uh, so this is part one; they're selling it as separate books. You can kind of towards the end, you can see that by necessity they're becoming more corporate. You know, isn't that interesting? And you can see that there's a little bit of chafing going on with with that, right? So this came out on October twenty seventh, twenty thirteen. So it's a pretty new book, and uh, yeah. it's got uh, wow has uh all five stars at amazon yeah. it's to add a, wow everybody's given it holy crap all oh no this one guy gave it four stars otherwise every review has given it five stars indeed you know what yeah. i'm gonna get it that sounds really get interesting it. yeah it's, it's it's a really good book it, it's funny though because they they really um you can see the change and it's 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 very that quick. topic is something that has interested me for a little while now where um like it's sort of like the same thing with corruption and governments. It's almost like an, an eventual, like it, it happened. Like it just always happens when you get a lot of people working together on something. Eventually, like these layers of bureaucracy and corrupt and politics and fiefdoms just develop. And it just seems to be like to me, it's almost like the case for keeping it like as small and lean as possible. So I never have to deal with that kind of stuff. I just, I well, feels like whenever, whenever humans work together in groups, that happens. So, so I don't want to spoil the book, but actually throughout the book, at least I got the impression that they're informal. The the publisher calls it grassroots democracy, but it's actually hurting them. Uh, there were disadvantages to not being so structured. Right? I know, and I think that's what le- I think that's what ha- that's what makes it happen. Is like there's like re- rational people make rational decisions to move in that direction because it solves problems, and yeah, that is exactly. where that starts happening is fascinating to me. Going back to your home contractor as a contractor, I'd witness companies at different phases of that, and I watched I watched a company be like really hippie. We're a solar panel company. Right. We're, we're changing. We're green. We're changing the world. To they were bought out by a massive equipment manufacturer who just makes transformer parts for big industry in the military, and they just went from free spirit hippie company to massive crushing well, I, corporate I think, overload. I mean, I think that's an extreme example. But there's a natural progression from yeah. let's talk about this issue and you know as as buddies to somebody has to be the boss. But somebody has to make the decision. But as as an IT guy, and I'm sure as developers are out there, like when you're just in the middle and you're just watching this, like I signed up for the hippie company. I didn't sign up for the crushing, you know, corporation. And I, and like, when so, do you make the move? Do you, and when do you know when to stick with it? And is it all just going to end up like that anyway? So do you might as well just stick with it anyways? Because everything ends up that way, you know? What I found interesting was that the relationship between a few of the guys started out as partners uh, and that was actually damaging to the company, right? Because they felt because they they never clearly defined, you know, who was at the end of the day the boss, right? Right, because they're just if buddies. It came, if yeah, if it came down to this is an order, whose orders were were it, right? Mm. Uh, and and they had to struggle with that, but they they got through it. And to be honest, I, I think Diablo was the product it was because it was in the middle of that transition. 
You know what they, I mean, World of Warcraft, what a money cow, man. People yeah. are paying 15 bucks a month for that thing. Uh, not people, me. Yeah. <laughs> what a money cow. It's unbelievable, and it just keeps on going. That is the that is the dream. Create something like that, that is, that is the dream. Although I don't know what their run cost is. It's probably pretty high, but... All right, Mr. Dominic, so people can get to stay a while and listen. How to Blizzards Unleashed Diablo and Forged a Video Game Empire book number one came out at the end of October. We'll have a link to that in the show. You know what? I should put a link to that. Well, I don't I don't actually have a link to it anymore because I bought it. But maybe at the end of the show, I'll do that. All right, Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we should cover before we get the heck out of here? Uh, No, I like turtles. I like turtles, too. Uh, uh, don't forget, we want to hear you, hear from you. So go to jupiterbroadcasting.com and pop that contact link and choose Cody Radio from the dropdown. Join us live on a Monday, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, over at jblive.tv and jblive.info. Mr. Dominic, assuming you make it through the rest of the day, where should people find you throughout the week? Fitzgerald Cemetery in, um, no, I'm kidding, uh, dominicm.com. There you go. Go read his uh, Happy Thanksgiving 2013 open source post. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. As well as, oh, Hi. I killed the music as well as killing the music. And of course, uh, we'll have uh, our contact links, our social profiles, and all that good stuff. And a big thank you to our IRC chat room. You guys go uh, start voting on titles. You get to name the show. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Coda Radio. We'll see you right back here next week.